Staying in contact, I'm London Mitchell. The Toledo area has long been known as the glass capital of the world, and we know of Toledo's history as a pioneer in the auto industry. There was shipbuilding, and Toledo was once one of the country's busiest rail hubs. But our part of the world does have a seedier side. The Toledo History Museum is bringing back with new narration its popular bus tour of Toledo exploring a world of gangsters, women of the night, bootlegging, and gambling. The tour, offered monthly, is called Glass City Garters, Gambling, Gangsters, and Gin. At the turn of the century, when Golden Rule Jones was the mayor, the city had gained a reputation as a haven for hoodlums. Keep the peace, and cops would keep their distance. I asked the president of the Toledo History Museum, Donna Christian Rayfelt, if Toledo's reputation as a haven was what drew the gamblers and other seedier characters. To some extent, I would say that's probably true, although, I mean, gambling was prominent in the city even before Jones became mayor. Jones, though, had the attitude that a lot of the things that people would get upset with in terms of the gambling and the prostitution, uh, he did not put them on par with murder or assault, those kinds of crimes. Um, and he had a different attitude. You know, one of the stories, of course, when he was mayor, and we have to remember he died in 1904 in office, was his attitude toward prostitution. Um, there's the story that a group of upright citizens came to him wanting him to shut prostitution down, basically run the women out of town. And his response was, you know, well, where do you want them to go? And when he didn't get an answer from them, he suggested to them, you give me two of the worst women. My wife and I will give them a home, help them find another way to make a living. And that way they can leave prostitution as a way of life. And then you give me the two worst, then you take each one, take one woman and take her into your home and train her for another job. Well, he had zero takers on that offer. So that didn't happen. But yeah, to some extent, prostitution did a little bit later become regulated, where the women had to um, register let's say, with the police, and they had to have weekly doctor exams to make sure that they were not carrying sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, but other than that, they were able to operate. So we will talk about, uh, to some extent, two different tenderloin districts or red light districts. We also do talk about gambling because gambling has its roots in Toledo in the 1800s. And to some extent, if you stop to think about it, people have gambled for a long, long time, 
hundreds of years. Uh, it wasn't uncommon for two people to have horses and go, well, my horse can go faster than your horse. And it's kind of like, you want to bet? And that's basically, I'd say, kind of the roots of gambling. Are you saying Toledo was building a reputation as a gambling mecca? I'm not so sure that it was as much that it was a reputation as a gambling center. I think gambling was rife in almost all communities at that time. And gambling was, by and large, illegal. Now, there were probably places where you could do horse racing and you could have legalized gambling. But other than that, I think it was just the function of the times that gambling was generally illegal. Now, what Toledo did have a reputation for was being a haven for criminals from out of town. And criminals who stirred up the police in their hometown enough to know that they had better lay low often came to Toledo because it was understood that if they did not cause any trouble in Toledo, the police would not go looking for them. And this basically became a safe haven for them. And then once things would quiet down at home, they could then go back home. So, Toledo's reputation as a haven is what attracted gangsters such as Yanni Licavoli? Not really, because they weren't planning on laying low here. Uh, it was a situation that things were getting uncomfortable for them in Detroit, and basically Detroit said, Detroit police basically said, you need to get out of town. You need to leave for good. Um, and so they did look at Toledo. And at that time, yes, Toledo had its gamblers. It had its rum runners. It had its bootleggers. But to a great extent, they really weren't in competition with each other. In terms of the gambling, Jimmy Hayes ran the gambling in town pretty much, and he tended to parcel out the different types of gambling games as who was going to run them. And so it wasn't this kind of competition of, I want your gambling establishment and I'm willing to kill for it. Um, when Licavoli came to town, Licavoli wanted to basically run everything. Uh, Yanni Licavoli, his brother uh, Peter Joseph, came with him. Uh, Peter Joseph was older, but Yanni was the brains and the mastermind. In fact, Yanni had been in jail in Canada for three years, from about 1927 to 1930. And during that time, he was running the bootlegging in Detroit from jail using his brother, Peter Joseph to carry things out. And it's when he got out of jail in 1930 that the police said, you better get out of Detroit and stay out. Uh, so that's when they came down to Toledo. And when he came to Toledo, he wanted to move in. He wanted to become partners. His trademark offer was, we'll become partners. I get 90%, you get 10%. If someone said, that doesn't sound good to me, they were liable to find that um, their place of business might be firebombed, their home might be fired upon, they themselves might be fired upon and killed. So in a sense, I like to say it was the offer that 
he really couldn't refuse. But what happened when he did move to Toledo was he ran up against both Jimmy Hayes and Jackie Kennedy. Um, Jackie Kennedy was very young at the time. And actually, he and Licavoli were pretty close in age. I believe Jackie was about four years younger than Yanni. These guys were that young to be so influential in the underworld? No gray hair at the temples? No, they're not gray-haired. You know what makes them look older in our eyes, I think? They're all in suits and ties. <laughs> the pictures that I see of these men at that time, they're in suits and ties. In fact, it's interesting because in the 1930s, this is a side note, but you look at pictures of the auto light strike, the people who have gathered to watch the strike, to support the strikers. Often the men have hats and ties on. It's just the way they dressed in that day. So yes, no, um, I want to say Jack Kennedy was in his early 30s when he was killed. When Yanni Licavoli moved to Detroit, he was only 19, and this was in the early 20s. So, yeah, they were young men. They were definitely young men. So Jackie Kennedy was already in Toledo and established in the gambling underworld when Licovalli arrived in town? Yes. His father and uncles, his father's brothers, had a um, soldiers and sailors club, and that had gambling in it. Uh, when... Kennedy's father died, one of his uncles died, the other uncle left town. Jack Kennedy, as a young man, took over the Soldiers and Sailors Club. He did close it down, remodeled the building, and reopened its the studio club. And to a great extent, it said that people who went to the studio club were politicians, businessmen, newspaper men. Uh, leaders in Toledo society. And to some extent, it was said that if Jack Kennedy knew your name, you had it made in this city. Um, so he was well-liked. He was very popular. And of course, once uh, Prohibition came in in 1920, all of these places that were already doing gambling off also would offer liquor to drink and to a great extent, a lot of them probably did have alcohol before Prohibition anyway, but they continued it after Prohibition. Of course, it was illegal, um, and it was interesting because the amendment to the Constitution prohibited the manufacturing, the selling, importing, or exporting of alcoholic beverages. It did not prohibit consuming. So, for example, if someone had a private stock of alcohol at home, there was no prohibition against them drinking what they already had. So, um, but you start telling people that they can't have it, and all of a sudden, I think it's human nature, that's what you want. And so a lot of people who perhaps didn't drink before Prohibition 
found it, shall we say, exciting to go to a speakeasy and consume alcohol while they were dancing or listening to music. And, of course, a lot of these places then had gambling games somewhere usually tended to be a little bit hidden in the building. Oftentimes it would be up on the second floor of a building so that if the police decided to raid to shut down the gambling, they would be stopped at a door and there would be multiple doors that they'd have to go through. Each door would be guarded. Many times the doors were reinforced with steel. So it would take them time to break the doors down. By the time they got into the room where the gambling took place, there wasn't anything there except a group of men sitting there smoking cigars and reading newspapers. Donna Christian Rayfeld is the president of the Toledo History Museum and one of the hosts of the Glass City Garters, Gambling Gangsters, and Gin Bus Tour. For tour dates, to make a reservation and buy tickets, visit ToledoHistoryMuseum.org. That's ToledoHistoryMuseum.org. The Toledo History Museum itself is located at 425 North St. Clair in downtown Toledo and is open Saturday and Sunday afternoons. I welcome your comments at my website, LondonMitchell.News. And please join us again next week as we continue Staying in Contact.